following unedited footage has been declassified by the Banzai Institute for Biomedical Engineering and Strategic Information. It's put on the internet. Um, nah. I mean, I, I, well, maybe. Um, um, I'm sure everyone at Marvel would be shocked to find me being outspoken. Um, Does that get tough, having to, like, watch yourself in the professional way because you really want to, like, go out and put yourself out there, but you have to always be wondering about, like, who's recording, yeah. who's going to hear it? A absolutely, it does. And, and, and it gets... I'd be tired. I get sick of the sound of my own voice. Um, uh, and it becomes... I talk about gender a lot, and there is a point at which even I am bored with it. Um, but um, I have a daughter, and I think the more of these bullets I take, the less of them she has to. Well, Maybe if I'm willing to be lady writer, she'll just get to be writer. You know? Um, so. It's a, such a, like an awful dichotomy, really, when you think about it, because you want to be able to be a person who does this thing. But at the same time, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And because you happen to be more unique in that instance, there's not that many lady writers doing it, you know, and there's more and more, which is amazing and awesome, that that's what opens the discussion. Yeah. You know, so it's like that kind of, well, I have to always talk about this, so it's always brought up as I'm female writer, so-and-so. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I get asked, I, I literally was asked in an interview, um, I would, uh, uh, that it was like, you know, you write uh, a lot of female-led books. Are you concerned that you're going to be pigeonholed? <laughs> yeah, it was a very good thing that that question was asked to me over the internet. Well intentioned, yeah. but it was like I have to eviscerate you now. Yeah. Um, uh, because what kind of question is that? Yeah. Well, by writing half of the entire human race. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, that's what I told them. I was like, I, I. I write a Western, uh, a mythological Western horror story. I write a, a team book, because I wrote Avengers Ensemble at the time. Um, uh, I write a, a, a sort of, you know, a, a mainstream uplifting single superhero uh, a book. And I write a, uh, uh, I don't know how you describe ghosts. I don't know why I call it ghosts. And I write ghosts. Uh, she had supernatural mystery, let's go with. Um, although they were trying to make it more superhero. Um, but uh, uh, I was like, you know, what am I going to be pigeonholed as? You know, and it's like, has a dude ever in the history of ever been asked, "You write a lot of dudes. <laughs> Aren't you worried somebody's going to notice?" You know, no, because we think that dude is the default human being, and specifically white, straight white dude. Yep. default human being. And you must justify every variation from that. Uh, like you have to, if you're not writing straight white dudes, then why? 
Because um, why would anyone ever want to read about anything? Well, but, but, but I mean, it's like they'll, you'll be asked to justify yeah. the choice. Um, and no. You know, I did that with Robert Kirkman at the Image Expo two years ago. Yeah. I remember if you were there. And I said, uh, one of our customers had asked me to propose the question, why do you have the few female protagonists? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I'm a guy, so I write what I'm used to. And I really wanted to follow up that question with, but you wrote Super Dinosaur, and I've noticed you're not a dinosaur. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of people that like him that would have been offended, so I, um, I, I do try to not offend everybody. <laughs> yeah. I know. Somebody asked Kieran Gillen on Tumblr not so long ago about, you know, do you feel like you're pandering to those Tumblr-based audience by including so many different kinds of characters in, in Young Avengers? Because I think when we got to the end, we found, like, like they were talking at the, at the end of the last episode, and pretty much the only heterosexual person left in that book is Kate. And he's like, well, do you feel like you're pandering to your audience by including so different kinds of people? And he's like, no, not really. Yeah. Well, you have to write to satisfy yourself and your conscience and, no, and, and your editor. And pretty much nobody else matters. Um, as much as I try, um, I, am I am genuinely a people person. Uh, despite my, my, my sort of crotchetiness, uh, 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 I, I like people. I wouldn't be spending my day here with you if I didn't like people. Um, uh, and so being someone who is very uh, involved with the fandom is not difficult for me. It doesn't cost me some, it doesn't cost me the way it costs an introvert. You know, you know, you know the theories of introvert and extrovert. Um, so at the end of a day at a convention, um, uh, I take energy from all of those interactions. So literally at the end of the day, I am vibrating. It is very hard for me to get to sleep at the end of a day at a convention. This has nothing to do with it at all. Um, but uh, uh, my husband uh, is an introvert, oddly enough. Uh, which, if you've ever seen him on stage, you would not guess that, uh, because he's very good. He's very per he's a performative introvert, um, and uh, but the, those interactions, as much as he enjoys meeting people, it costs him something. So at the end of the day, white. Um, but so this is a thing that I enjoy, but I have to be very careful that I'm not. I have to be careful about what I read and what I let in, um, because uh, if I start trying to craft the story that I think will please the most people, that story is going to suck. Um, and, uh, and and it doesn't matter because you're going to get accused of it anyway. Yes. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, there 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 are uh, some folks uh, on Tumblr right now who. Um, don't care for the direction uh, that the new series has gone, um, and are uh, in their, their. It's not the book that they love, mm -hmm. um, and then hilariously, uh, it, uh, I'm pandering to the Carol Corps, um, uh, and it's like, no, what you mean is I'm not pandering to you, yeah. you know, um, uh, and I, I'm not writing the book for anybody but me, um, and Sada because she writes my checks. Um, and that's not even true. 
me, Sana, and, and uh, uh, David. Um, because I, I really try to work very collaboratively. And, and I want to write the book that the, the artist wants to draw. And the book changes with the different artists. Because David's Carol is funnier than, mm -hmm. than uh, uh, Philippe's Carol was very vulnerable. Like for somebody who was so strong, she was incredibly vulnerable. It was the way the way he drew her. You know, she, there was a there was a almost bird-like quality to her. Yeah, like yeah. Um, for someone who was so strong and could be so powerful, she looked fragile as well. And I loved that, but that made me write her more emotionally open. Mm -hmm. um, uh, David Carroll always sort of looks like she's like you know <laughs> like like that is her default face is like. Um, and and she's funny. Yeah. Like David's Carol is very funny. So the book is funnier now. Yeah. And like the reason that the cat has gone into space in her is not because <laughs> I was like, Well, Tumblr likes Chewy. Yeah. The reason the cat has gone into space with her was because I thought she was going to be spending a lot of time alone in her spaceship. And I have a tendency to um I have, I, I'm much better at characterization. Plot, or, or, I'm much better at characterization than I am at, at cold plotting. Mm -hmm. And I will uh, I, I will try to distract from my uh, less than stellar plotting skills <laughs> with oh look at this lovely prose in these caption boxes. Yeah. And so um, I was trying to take that crutch away from myself. I didn't want to rely so much on Carol's internal monologue, um, which is a thing that I have a tendency to do. And my husband is like, I don't know why you're doing that. It's like you're like, uh, like I'm good at this, so I'm going to stop doing it. <laughs> um, but to me, it feels like I use it too much. I use it as a crutch. Um, and so I was trying to take that away, so I needed her to have someone to talk to. So I gave her a cat and a talking spaceship, so she would be talking out loud instead of in Captain Marvel. Well, well, one of the things I loved about um, Captain Marvel, though, is when she got her little family, mm -hmm. you know, and all her people around her and stuff, and all those interactions and that whole, like, I loved that, like, because I think it made it more of a, not a team book necessarily, but it was, kind of, because she had these people supporting her and helping her. Well, we love Spider-Man, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it was, uh, uh, you know what she's fighting for. Mm -hmm. It was when, when they said they were going to give us a new number one. It was like, yay, new number one. And then they were like, well, you got to change something to justify new number one. I was like, no, what do you want to do that? <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and we talked about a bunch of different things. And when we decided to take her off into space, I was really insecure about it because I felt like I had expended so much energy building up this community of people around her in New York that I cared about, and I didn't want to leave them. Um, but I feel like that's really real too, though. You yeah. Know, in, in real life, you do have to move on and not have that anymore. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, like we 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 are starting to care about Tick and oh yeah, totally. um, you know, Jackie and Pud and oh Jackie, I love Jackie. Yeah, everybody loves Jackie. My Jackie. Awesome. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> you didn't have met me yet, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you want to know a, a funny story. Um, uh, uh, after I talked about not pandering, I'm totally tell you a story about pandering. Uh -huh. um, but it's it's not pandering; it's taking a note. Um, uh, but um, so at New York City Comic Con a couple years ago, um, uh, you know, I, we, 
there was a lot of conversation at the Women of Marvel panel about wanting to have um, more characters uh, who were a very, like, women who were uh, not cookie cutter body, body shapes, um, and, uh, and also uh, a distinct lack of uh, LGBT um, characters in Captain Marvel. And my, like, because your first reaction is always defensive, right? Or mine is, you know? Um, it's sort of like, I'm not a racist! You know, that like, um, uh, and usually if you have that reaction, you um, think about it a second later. You're like, oh, <laughs> I could do better. Um, and my point was, I don't write about characters love less. That's yeah. not my overwhelming area of interest. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to, like, be strong armed into getting Carol to have a love interest, you know? I was like, I don't want to write that. It's yeah. not, it's not, we're not, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not my, it's, it's not your jam. You know who's, go to Brian Bendis for romance stories. <laughs> Brian yes. writes a fucking soap opera, right. you know? Um, and that's the thing, like, uh, uh, when um, when I got Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. some dude on the on the internet was like, you know, uh, oh no, it's gonna be all about feelings. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's the best like non-male. Is it the the best male superheroes have feelings? Yeah, well, like as it, uh, Alex uh, from MTV Geek was like, yeah, because you know Osborne was all chicks singing in the hairbrushes, <laughs> yeah. and um, uh, uh, and all I could think was like. Brian Bendis writes about nothing but eating and feeling. <laughs> um, he does it exceptionally well, and he is one of the best-selling comic book writers in the history of the medium. So I don't know what you think you like, but, you but the, the sales charts tell us that in fact you are all about the soap opera, my friend. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyway, as it happens, that is not my primary area of interest. Mm -hmm. And so my argument was that, like, you know, I don't tend to write about people's love lives one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and so there may be LGBT characters in the book. I've never asked them, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and, and her point was because of cultural construction, unless someone states otherwise, we assume that they're straight. Mm -hmm. um, and so, anyway, it's like, yep, but there's, no, there's nothing more awkward than, like, you know, hey, I'm gay. Yeah, I'm really, <laughs> like, 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 I'm Bob and I'm gay. I sort of pride myself on having my, my exposition dialogue be somewhat artful, you know, and, uh, uh, and it just didn't seem like, you know, Jackie, love you. You know, like, uh, like I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't seem like the thing she would do. So anyway, so, but I, we talked about it a little bit. I took the note. I was like, you're right. You're right. Um, and, and her point was, you don't have to write about their love life. You can just have them, like, slip in a, 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 a like, something about my girlfriend or, you know, my boyfriend or, you know, whatever. And it's like, you're right. This is the thing I could be better about. So... Um, so when I was working out the characters for this opening arc, um, uh, I decided that um, uh, Jackie would be married 
uh, to a woman, and I was going to base this woman on uh, this, this girl that I had met at New York City Comic Con because she had come up to me after the panel and spoken to me, and she was about this tall, um, and uh, just all curves, um, and she was so sincere, and it was um, it was a very I was proud of her. It was a very hard it's a very hard thing to do to talk to someone who's in because uh, I'm in a status position there. Yeah, you know, well, and someone you admire too, because obviously if she spends time reading the books, and you know, then you, there's a level of admiration there yeah. for your work or your art. And so to tell someone else how to art also is kind of awkward. Yeah, too, and you know, it, it was hard for her to do, and she teared up. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I promised her I'm going to do better. Yeah. And so, uh, and one of the things that at, at the time, for whatever reason, I don't know if she'd been in an accident or what, she had. Uh, you ever seen people with bruised eyeballs? Um, her, so her, the whites of her eyeballs were red, uh, which was super freaky looking, and I didn't want to ask her about it, because I was like, you know, is that like a, what is that? You know, uh, uh, but I Googled it, um, uh, and apparently that's how your eyeballs bruise. Um, uh, uh, but anyway, so I was, when I created uh, uh, Jackie's Wife, she's based on this young woman, and uh, and I wanted her to be, I wanted her to be a bigger part of the plot, but I ended up just not having the pages for it, but she was going to be the one that told Carol, you get back out there, you know, um, uh, uh, I wanted her to be like, no powers, just like, everyday person. Yeah, and like is super brave and awesome and mouthy and bossy, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, uh, anyway, and I named her Puddin' mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't remember this girl's name, yeah. and uh, but I just wanted to call her Puddin', you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, so anyway, so this is what happens in New York. So it's later. Uh, I'm at Heroes Con, and she uh, comes up in my line, and uh, I was like. Putin to you. Uh, l- let me tell you uh, what is coming. Um, so I got her email address and I ended up uh, uh, sending her the pages to see ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Her name is Jackie. Oh my God. I did not remember her name. I don't know if she ever told me her mm-hmm. name. I mean, ideally, it would have been the other character. Because yeah. Pudding is the one that's based on her, not Jackie. But yeah. I, but I wonder if I knew that when you somewhere, were yeah. and that that was. A conflation. It's a very long story. <laughs> a little payoff. But anyway, um, uh, I hope to see uh, Jackie and Puddin again. I, I would like to come back to Torfa, mm-hmm. but it's just going to depend on sure. yeah, if we've got the space to do it. Um, issue number nine is insane. Mm-hmm. Issue number nine. Okay, so six just came out today. Seven and eight are a two-part Chewy-centric story um, <laughs> that are drawn bar- by uh, Marcio Takara. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, uh, Chewy and Carol and Rocket. <laughs> um, so that goes really well. <laughs> um, that's two issues. 
and then David comes back to the book for nine, and uh, uh, nine. I'm trying to decide how much to tell you about this. Um, uh, okay, so when David took the book, David said, um, he was like, well, you know, you're either an X-Men guy or you're an Avengers guy. And I'm an X-Men guy. <laughs> but everybody tells me I should take this book. So I'm trusting you and I'm doing this Avengers thing, but I just want you to know I'm an X-Men guy. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I got nothing against the X-Men. <laughs> 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 but, um, uh, so, and, so, you know, when you're, you're doing this dance where you're getting to know each other, and David's, like, super nice, and he's always been, you know, I'm like, what do you want to draw? And he's like, you know, whatever you want, it's your book. What, I'll draw whatever you want to do. And I'm like, and David, it's not my book, it's our book. What do you want, you know, and you do this, uh, fi David finally says, I want to draw an X-Men character. Give me, give me an X-Men. Get a crossover with an X-Men character. I'm like, all right, who do you want? It's got to be somebody I can get into space. Yeah. So no promises, but who do you want? Okay, so all of the X-Men for him to choose from, right? Lila Cheney. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Lila Cheney is like... A Dazzler also ran. Oh. <laughs> She's like, if Dazzler was disco, Lila Cheney was punk. Oh. Okay? So uh, she's a intergalactic rock star. They were apparently in a band together for a little while. <laughs> um, and uh, in her initial appearances, she looks strangely like Joan Jett. Okay. Um, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, so issue nine is a one-shot rock opera in space. <laughs> uh, it has a, a, a super heavy '80s influence. Uh, there is a. Um, so, so one of the things when I was researching Lila Cheney, um, uh, as I just Google. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the model with you now. <laughs> so I, I was researching Lila, and um, and there was a little tidbit that I really liked that was like when she was very young and she first started getting her powers, she's a, she's teleportation. It's her power, right? So um, only there's this weird like thing where she she can only. Yeah, there's, there's some very strange rules about it. But anyway, um, when she first had these powers, um, uh, she was just popping off to other places in the universe, and she would come home and tell her parents these stories, and her parents just thought she was super imaginative, right? And, uh, and I kind of loved that. And so, um, so I had this idea that, uh, that Lila, like, you know, just you know, pops off into some fairy tale planet, where she gets betrothed to this prince, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it's haha, that's fascinating. And then, and then, you know, she's a grown-ass woman, and she goes back to her. She has a home planet that's like not really a planet. She has this like, she has this like fake planet that's all hers. Um, it's like having like you know, like the best clubhouse in the universe, <laughs> um, literally in the universe. <laughs> um, 
so uh, she goes back to her uh, her like clubhouse planet thing, and uh, and there is uh, this the court, uh, the royal court of this, and they're like, we're here to have a wedding, <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh shit, <laughs> that was real, and uh, and so uh, so she ends up trying to get away from it, and she goes to the nearest place that she can talk to, which happens to be Carol's ship, um, and then she takes Carol back with her to try and get her out of this marriage, um, and, uh, uh, which, and the funny thing, too, is, like, like, I'm always trying to find things for, like, Carol's power is she's, she can punch shit really hard, so I always give her problems that she can't punch, <laughs> so it's, a, a like, know, here, you need to be an ambassador um, and get this woman out of, of this obligation. Uh, and um, But David has based, um, like, it's insane. Okay, the, uh, the, the king, the, ki the, it's the, 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 the kingdom, the, the royal court, um, the king is Elvis. <laughs> uh, and the queen is Madonna, uh, and uh, the prince uh, looks like Rocky from Rocky Horror. Uh, except he has like a David Bowie thing. It's there's there's a big fight on a lit disco floor. Um, is there a final countdown? Uh, I don't know. I haven't done the final script. I keep telling him I'm gonna try and. Oh, the the bad girl uh, looks remark like it, it, we don't have likenesses, so these are not likenesses. They're just like clearly inspired by. Um, but uh, the bad girl has like really small eyes and a really uh, tall forehead, and which suggests uh, uh, a, 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 um, a garbage. Uh, oh, Manson. Shirley Manson. Manson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, because I told I was like, I want her to be mean pretty, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, so, anyway, I if I have time, we'll see. If I have time, I'm going to re-script it so that every, all of the dialogue that takes place on the planet is in verse. Oh, wow. Oh. But, uh, um, I don't know if I'm going to have time for that. <laughs> it was not written that way when it got turned in, but yeah. when I started seeing the art, I was like, i got to uh, up my game. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see if I can pull it off. I'm going to try. So, yeah. Doesn't he does really want to draw America Chavez. He does Carol's and American together, they're just going to punch everything. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but you're going to need a plot. Punch yeah. everything. Yeah. Would that be the title? Carol and America punch everything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, and we have to put them up against, like, math. <laughs> 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 Something and neither one of them are particularly like. Oh, I'm not asked a question yet. We've got to have her Oh, I guess have a quick one. Um, it's about Miss Marvel, and I was just wondering if Carol will ever meet our new Miss Marvel, or if she'll find out that Miss Marvel accidentally took her face a cou
Willow and I have no definitive plans, largely because Carol's in space. Um, but, I mean, it feels like they do need to meet at some point. I don't think Carol would have, I, I think Carol would be very flattered uh, by Kamala. Um, you know, they do, they, they, they do appear on panel together in Captain Marvel 14. Um, but uh, anybody have it? The old, oh, with Kamala Solo's Kamala, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a background character. Yeah. Um, she, she was also supposed to be, in 17, she's supposed to be in the uh, crowd scene oh, yeah. uh, in Times Square. She was, she's written in the script as being, there is one character who's wearing the bolt mm -hmm. instead of uh, the star, and that was supposed to be Kamala, but Jordy didn't read that part or something, <laughs> it's just not there. So, um, wah, wah. I um, love how she was like, I would be the politically incorrect blonde version with the like sky high boots or something. I'm yeah. Like, we've all had that moment where we wanted to be the politically yeah. incorrect <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're a teenager, like, you know, you mistake any attention as good, right? And if the, if culture tells you that your power is in your appearance, then what do you want to do, you know? I mean, a lot of people mistake. There is a lot of compensatory sexual bravado in young women. Uh, I don't judge them for it. It is, enti it is exactly what they've been taught. Um, this is why, uh, uh, you know, if we take pictures together, that I will make you do duck face. You're all aware of that? All right. So the reason for the duck face thing is because, um, well, there's three reasons, really. One is because I take a lot of pictures with strangers, and it is a very awkward thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, the, they don't know if they can touch you, um, and they don't know, like, what the rules are. And if you do a selfie, then we have to be close enough together that we're touching, and, and it sort of takes the, the, the pressure off of that. Um, uh, the other part of that is uh, everybody wants the picture to look good. If we do duck face, no one looks good, and so that pressure is off. It's a silly picture, particularly if they're trying to do the duck face where they're trying not to laugh. It looks ridiculous. Um, uh, but then the other part of it is this is a thing uh, uh, there is no one lower status uh, in our society than a young girl, um, uh, unless she is a young girl who is also a minority, um, and then she is the lowest status that she can possibly that you can possibly have. And what we have been teaching young girls since their birth, um, through the imagery that they're exposed to, is the most important thing about them is their appearance, and that they should ideally have full lips and high cheekbones. And so what does the duck face do? It gives you full lips and high cheekbones. And they take a picture from a high angle, most flattering, and they purse their lips and they push their cheekbones up because that is exactly what we have taught them to value. And then we make fun of them for it. And I think that that does not make them assholes. It makes them smart and us sick, um, and which is a gendered insult. And yes, I chose them. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so... Uh, that is my effort to celebrate young girls for being smart about what they've been told to value. And also it's funny. So, anyway.
Promotion comics. Mm -hmm. There's there's an Alex Maleev, Brian Bendis, uh, uh, Spider Woman, Agents of Sword motion comic. Yeah, it's, it's okay. great, right? And it's really good. It was free on Netflix yeah. for a while, right? Yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, she has a British accent. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, I did not know that. And now, like, yeah. I'm, no, yeah, like, I, no. like, I'm reading that and I, like, I can't decide which way I would go. I'm yeah. so glad you asked that. I've had this similar thing, but I'm like, Doing it off and on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lila Cheney is British too, and uh, I got mildly obsessed with trying to get the the like Brit speak right. Yeah. yeah, and then I was finally like, oh, okay, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, uh, my other more serious question is uh, based on finances and stuff. A lot of times I would just pick up trades because they're easier for me to read. They last longer. And only about a year ago did I start getting issues. And I remember, I think it was in the letters column of Saga, maybe? Mm -hmm. They're uh, they talking about how much they prefer that people do issues because it's more beneficial to the creators than the trades. And I was okay. Wondering. I like uh, Brian K. Vaughn and. Uh, Fiona Staples very, 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 very much, and I do not want to say that they are wrong, um, but uh, if our industry is so broken that we not only need you to, uh, to, need to ask you to buy our books, but we need to tell you what format you should buy them in and that you should not buy them in your preferred format, then we are so broken we deserve to go down. Um, let me give you permission with impunity to buy the book you want. Um, there, there are lines I am willing to cross. Uh, if you intend to buy the single, I will ask you nicely and try to make it as uh, easy as possible to pre-order because if you pre-order the book, it makes a difference. I am not willing to ask you to buy it in your non-preferred format. I think that that is some bullshit. Um, and if we are that broken, we deserve to go down. That is how capitalism works. Um, so you spend your money the way you would like to. Oh, yeah. If you intend to spend the money on the singles anyway, might I suggest that you pre-order. But barring that, buy the book you want to buy. And don't feel bad about it, and don't let anyone make you feel bad about it. Well, um, it wasn't so much that. It was just I, I just had no idea that there was that much of a uh, difference between the two. Finance, it's not about finances. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, financially, and particularly on image books, 
uh, let me tell you, Brian's going to be fine. And yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I can extra. I've I've seen his numbers and I've seen my numbers and I know how big my check was and I can extrapolate. And he's going to be fine, <laughs> and possibly his grandchildren will also be fine. So, um, is it one of those things where the, the pre-orders count for more than the single issue sale, which counts for more than the trades, like it is on, like when you are talking about DVR single day versus plus seven numbers? Okay, uh, I don't know what the last part of that meant, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, our industry is super fucked up. Um, so you have your friend the retailer. If I'm a publisher, you guys are not my customer. She is my customer because once she buys that book, she can't return it. She is stuck with it. Literally hundreds of books come out every Wednesday. Shops, this is actually a pretty big shop. Okay, so every book that she buys, she not only has to determine how many she thinks she can unload in the, that week uh, before it becomes sack stock, um, but then she has to figure out where the fuck she's going to put it when it becomes back stock. Um, their profit margin is so slim that they literally have to go, do I order five or six copies of this book? Um, and then... Sometimes our publishers will have the balls to, uh, uh, and I'm trying not to use gendered, uh, so they'll have the chutzpah <laughs> to, uh, to then um, scold their customers. I don't know what industry you scold your customer in other than this one, but they will scold the customer for not ordering enough of the product. Fuck you. Um, the retailer is in a next to impossible situation here. Um, publishers don't like it when the retailers under order because if they have to go back to print, they lose money. So if they could do a bigger print run all at once, then they would make a better profit margin than if they were to do two smaller print runs, because the more you print, the cheaper per issue cost, uh, cost you have, right? Um, but they're asking their customer to bear the burden of this. Because it's non-returnable. Now, Image does often, particularly with new releases, particularly with number one, Image will make them returnable. Um, so. There, the, the, the argument changes. Um, uh, I think if it's returnable, then you should order as many as you like. Be super optimistic because it's returnable. Um, but I'm told that very few people actually go to the trouble of returning. So, um, it, 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 it's, a, it's an instant test at the Image Expo in January of this last year when we were all asking, why aren't you doing more titles returnable? And there was a handful of retailers there. Mm -hmm. 
but anyway, retailers get put up in a, in a very difficult situation. So with the way that our industry is structured right now, the best tool that we have, and it is a lame-ass tool, but it's the best one we have right now, the best tool that we have is the pre-order. Because if you pre-order, everybody wins, all right? So um, what will happen if you decide, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk my 350 um, that I'm probably going to like this book. I'm gonna at least going to check out the first issue. And you let your retailer know. The retailer is like, that's one guaranteed sale. Um, so they will then order that number plus their shelf copy. Um, so that will get entered into the publisher's figures, which will then affect the number that they print. So this is how it's, it's you need a, a BA and dumbassery to figure out like why the system works the way it works. But um, uh, that is how books, particularly books from DC or Marvel, can get canceled before they ever come out is because the pre-orders are not enough. Uh, uh, the Iron Patriot book went, was supposed to be an ongoing, uh, and it got changed to a mini before it ever came out because the pre-order numbers were not good enough. Um, and uh, that's a shame um, because it very seldom does it go back the other direction. Um, it is a super broken system, um, but right now it's the one we've got. Um, until they make more, I, it, I, I really, really push with image where, I, I mean, at, at, at DC and Marvel, I have no control over any of this. But at Image, I have a lot of control over my books. Um, and I can, I can beg for first issues to be made returnable. And what that does is it gives, it, it puts the retailers in a position to be more optimistic because they don't have to figure out where to put them. And I mean, these books, we have this thing that like, well, if you save your collection, you're gonna be able to put your kid through college. Probably not. Mm -hmm. These things, most of them lose value quicker than lose used cars. You know, they're going to end up in the quarter bin very quickly. Um, and and when you're talking about having to know your customer base well enough that you are uh, uh, that you're you're figuring out like within two or three copies how many you think you're going to be able to go through, um, that's tough. You know. Um, and then you know we talk about like jumping on points and. You know, if somebody comes in at the third issue and they decide they want to go back to, to one and two, you know, and then you're out of them and then take two weeks to get a new one, well, at that point, that, that customer's forgotten about that book, you know? So it's super dumb. Um, Say that's not a little louder for Steve, who disagrees. I'll go back in two weeks. <laughs> yes, man, I, I, I really do think, and, and I'm not a retailer, so you know this better than I do, but, uh, but as a shopper, um, if I have to wait two weeks for a pair of shoes, I'm just going to, yeah, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Amazon. Most of our customers are pretty good because we have the same core customers. So yeah. if they say they'll be back a lot, of, you know, we can remember who they are and say, Hey. Yeah. Well, there's, that's the advantage of the stores that are going to, the same way that it happened with, uh, there's this, I've started the sentence for the fourth time, okay? <laughs> um, there was a bookstore in Kansas City, Missouri called Rainy Day Books. 
It is probably half the size of this store. Rainy Day Books has outlasted uh, Barnes & Noble in Kansas City and outlasted Borders in Kansas City and uh, does good business up against Amazon. And the way that they do it is that more than a bookstore, they are a community hub. So they bring in authors uh, uh, once a month. At, they don't have room to put in their store. They, have, they do an off-site event once a month where they have, um, uh, you pay for the hardback ahead of time, and that gets you a ticket to this event with the author, and then you get the book signed, and you get to listen to the talk, and it's really cool. I saw John Irving there and was like, you know, um, uh, uh, it, 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 they have uh, uh, organized book clubs. Um, they, uh, uh, no one is ever behind the counter. They are always out walking around, helping people uh, uh, find the books they want. The people that work there are reading fanatics. They have somebody who specializes in every genre. Um, they, and they do uh, uh, midnight uh, releases for the Harry Potter books where like everyone in Kansas City comes <laughs> and dresses up and the kids stay up late. I mean, they've, they've made it into uh, a, they've made it into a town square. And that is how they have turned this tiny store into a very smart business that competes with much, much bigger stores. And I don't know what their bottom line is, but I suspect they're doing very, very well. Um, uh, and they have a borders is gone. Uh, Barnes and Noble has shrunk. Uh, uh, Amazon is doing okay, but this Hachette standoff has sent a lot of people to Powell's and Barnes and Noble. I mean, and uh, uh, borders. borders. No, borders. Uh, 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 Rainy Day Books. Thank you. Uh, uh, so it's. It, I I think the comic book stores. I think the comic book retailers that are going to survive. Uh, the digital revolution are going to be the ones who follow that model, who become community hubs, who embrace the digital by saying, you know, there's got to be a way to work digital into your store model. You know, like I can't get it for you right now, get it digitally, and we'll give you a discount on the the trade, you know, or or whatever it is. Like, there's got to be a way. You can't just you can't just fight it. You know, you can't. It's it's dumb. Um, there's, no, there's no reason to fight it. Yeah, no, but you, there's got to be a way to fold it into the business model to make it help. Um, it, I mean, it can't hurt us that now every person who has a smartphone has a comic book store in their pocket. That can't be bad for the industry, you know. Um, <laughs> that's a dumb phone. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it, you know, these these. I, I think it is super awesome of uh, Marvel and DC every summer to produce these million-dollar commercials for our books uh, uh, that they do in the form of those tentpole movies. Um, uh, but we need to be in a position to then help the consumer who is like, because this, this, is, this is what happens, right? Somebody goes to see uh, 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 Captain America 2 uh, Winter Soldier, and they're like, 
that Black Widow was pretty cool. I think I would like to read more about Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they're a little shy, and they find their way into the comic book store. They've never been in a comic book store. They know bookstores, right? What bookstore do you go to that shelves by publisher? You know? <laughs> so, um, so they go into the comic book store, and suddenly it is shelved by publisher. And they know that they're looking for Black Widow. So, so maybe like the, the, the little red marble square is uh, like the second best known brand in the world or something now at this point. So, so probably they know that it's a Marvel book. So, so they find Marvel section, and they're going to start looking for, I don't know, Black Widow, right? Except Black Widow, she does have a, a solo book right now, but she's also prominent in Secret Avengers, right? They don't know that unless they have a guide. Um, and also, they find the Black Widow section, and there's Black Widow number, what are we on now, eight, right? And, and ten, okay. And, and they've, they're like, I'm new. I can't come in at eight or ten. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, have, to, you have to have someone to help you. Oh, we harass them. Yeah, which, which is fantastic. <laughs> but, um, but that was the thing about that was the thing about the manga boom, right? Was was we had there was this uh, this thing that was like, well, you know, girls won't read comics, except that girls read manga, and they spent two hundred dollars a month on their ten dollar manga book, right? Um, because they didn't have to go to a specialty store to get it. They went to the mall, which they're all very familiar with. Um, they didn't have to ask for help. All they had to do was find the manga section, and then uh, they would take the book up, and, and they would read uh, just like every other book that they've been conditioned to do their entire lives. They read the, the synopsis on the back of it. The only difference was, like, the back was not the side they thought it was. <laughs> they read the synopsis to see, oh, I think I might like this. They find the one that has the number one on it, and they take it to the checkout counter. They don't have to have help. So we need to figure out what the equivalent of that is in our industry. How do we make it? Like, it's great to have a store where you get lots of help. It's great to have uh, comic book sites and wikis where you can get a guide. But how can we make it so you don't need a guide? I don't know the answer to that question, but that is why it was easier for young girls to learn to read backwards <laughs> than it was for them to read superhero comics. You know? That's significant. I started it to was, try to understand Japanese before I got into It was comics. easier to learn to read backwards. You know, I, I do that with the publishers now. There are, there are titles like uh, Jonah X, for instance, for DC, mm -hmm. that have no volumes on and mm -hmm. people go and look, and they have that problem. Where where do I start? Oh, yeah. and, and I've talked to DC, and uh, Marvel doesn't want to talk to me, but I've talked to them, <laughs> and they say, well, their stories are all self-contained. You don't need to start with number one. That, well, that's that's the thing, thing we were talking about. People don't understand that. Yeah, no, that was the thing that we were talking about. That they'll, they'll tell you, uh, the publishers will tell you, and I, I, am, I, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, no one who writes or draws uh, for Marvel uh, or DC, with the exception of like Jeff Johns and uh, Joe Quesada, we are not employees. 
uh, we are all freelancers, all of us. Some of us are freelancers on contract and some of us are not, but we're still freelancers. Um, uh, so I am not an employee of Marvel Comics. I do not speak for Marvel Comics. Therefore, I can say freely uh, uh, that this, uh, I think this, this notion that, like, well, everybody, every comic is somebody's first comic. Yes. <laughs> but it's not helpful. If we were to put some uh, kind of marker on the cover that said, this is a good jumping on point. Uh, which is the thing that I argue to do in our solicits all the time, to say, this is a good jumping on point. A new arc starts here. It is helpful. And it tells the retailer, you should maybe order a couple more of these because this would be a good place to bring in a new reader. Um, Dark Horse doing that recently? Well, uh, Dark Horse, uh, Mike Mignola uh, is a very, very smart man. Um, <laughs> and they renumber. Uh, they just start over at number one every time, which if it were up to me, we would all do that. But... Weirdly, they don't let me run the company. <laughs> so, uh, I do like how um, at Dark Horse, the, the Buffy and Angel comics are doing seasons. So yes, it's like yeah. season eight and then issue number whatever, and then they finish, and then they're like, okay, now we're on season nine, issue number one. Yeah, well, that they, works really well. that's very smart, too, because Buffy and Angel readers have come off of a television model, so they understand seasons and episodes. Yeah, so it makes it very easy to cross over. Yes. Yeah. Um, because you, you, want, you don't want to have to re-educate the consumer. You want to use what they already know, which is why the manga model works so well. Um, because we all know how bookstores work, you know? Well, and it, it feels slightly sacrilegious, sorry, to talk about digital comics in a physical bookstore. But, but it shouldn't. They, but one it should support the other. It very much makes you feel that way just because comicology is a brilliant model that people can follow because they know iTunes now. Right. So they've learned iTunes or Google Play, and you go to Comicsology, and it's like, oh, and they have that recommendation page on the front that says, hey, this is on sale. And you just do a quick search, and it's like, oh, these are all the issues. Or, oh, I just decided I was going to read all the Masters of the Universe comics, and there's like 47 of them, different series, but like, it tells me when they were published, and like, which one is ongoing, and so I can figure out, okay, this is the one I want, or let me sell you the entire run of Runaways for like a dollar a comic and just sign yeah. up your paycheck right now. I, th I think there's, there, uh, ideally I would like for it to be uh, a, a thing where we would have people, we, w we would sort of uh, 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 ease people into trying things digitally and then going to hard copies for the ones that they really love. Right. Which, um, you know, this uh, is how I end up in a store with you here because I read digital comics and then I come and I buy some hard copies so that I can get them signed or free comic book day where I have never taken home a free comic book. Yeah. I'm so glad all of you guys came here today. I see a lot of new faces. It's, of course, I'm not here that much, so you probably hear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 4 o'clock. I promised Kelly Sue a half hour out of the chains and bonds. Um, and then she'll be back in planning up front from 4.30 to 7.30, where we can, of course, continue some conversation. But I have all my D&D gamers coming in soon, and they're going to amass. So, <laughs> so we need to clear out, rearrange, redo it all. Everybody go get your dinner. Let's give her a back. giant round of applause.
the Edison phonograph, created by the great wizard of the new world to delight those who would have melody or be amused. Mm -hmm. 